Radio Primavera Sound, powered by SEAT. Hello and welcome to The Weekly Review, the show where two grown men and a gifted young trend detective make sense of the world by analysing events in pop culture. This week, Johan is off being a father to his newly born daughter. Congratulations, Johan Amaru. So in the studio, we are reduced to one grown man. That's me, Ben Cardew. But luckily, we have with us our full complement of youthful vigour in Mar Valverdu. How are you doing, Mar? Hello, hello. I'm doing fine. Did I say your name a little bit better this time than last time? <laughs> I thought you said it was. Oh god. <laughs> like you you don't have practice in in saying the full name so I I let you say it wrong. Okay, but it seemed to be going all right. I just panicked. I just remembered how badly <laughs> I said it last time. I, I, I feel know. it too, and it's my own name, so don't worry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, but Johan is going to be joining us by the miracle of recorded audio. And beyond the glass, out of sight, but never out of touch, we have David Camilleri, the man who puts the rock in rock boronat. Uh, and we start today with what else? A little touch of Daft Punk. So on today's weekly review, we're going to be digging deep into the baby's beef, or is it, with Jojo Siwa, the queen of 2021. We'd raise witch TikTok from its mossy grave. We talk nepotism and behind her eyes. Our album of the week is from the distinctive, uh, distinctly Daft Punk ESG Lewis. And of course, we talk about Daft Punk, the dearly departed titans of French electronic music, who we are hearing in the background with their rather gorgeous uh, something about us. Now, I feel like I've talked far too much about Daft Punk over the past few days. So, Ma, were you a fan? Um, I wouldn't consider myself like a fan. Like I, I go out and listen to all their new songs when they came out with new songs. But I know the most popular ones because I feel it's impossible not to like Daft Punk and their most popular songs. So yes, I I do like them, even though they're French. <laughs> even not... though they're French. <laughs> Good Lord. I saw someone say you on Twitter like the only thing I learned from Daft Punk is that it's okay to be French if you're a robot. So I was like, yeah, it, it kind of is true. Now, Mark, you're from <laughs> Catalonia, which is literally next door to France. You know, you can be in France in two hours. Why are you against France? But I feel like it's it's a mandatory thing to do. Like when you're born, you're told you have to hate French people. Now go off and live your life. Fair enough. Yeah, actually, to be fair, the British do get quite a lot of, quite a lot of that as well. Um, so I mean, all right, you're you're, you're here uh, always as our young person correspondent. I'm old enough to remember when Daft Punk released their 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 first record when I don't think you were quite born. So I've given my hoary old perspective on it. But like young people like Daft Punk, right? Yeah, and uh, the thing is, and I'm gonna sound so dumb right now. I didn't know they've been going on for so long. I thought they were like they first came out with with the Feral song. <laughs> 
the Villaki song, and I know now that it's only one of the last few they put out. So I'm like, oh my god, um, I'm dumb, and I don't know anything about musical culture. These people have been around for longer than I have been, and they have lots of music history. And I was here thinking their first hit was um, "Feeling Lucky" with Pharrell Williams. So. Well, like, do you think this? This is something we're going to get into later. But do you think that that's because they are not so much on social media? Um, I don't. I think you can just be as big and not be on social media. And and I, I, I don't know why I thought. I, I mean, it's because I'm younger. But I, I don't think in their case it's bad that they're not on social media. I don't know what would they post. Like they have these helmets on always. Have you seen them without their helmets? You on? see, this is what I mean. Like, uh, my in my old personal perspective, they went without helmets for ages and. They went without. Yeah, the oh first sort of two, three years of so their I life. So I can they Google have... them and see their faces. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> I was, I don't know, the mystery kept me going. Well, you I... see, this again. This is what I find quite funny. Like, I think for for people who, uh, you know, younger people, let's say, they are entirely mysterious. It's like they they just, you know, appeared from nowhere, you know, wearing these helmets and no one's ever seen their faces. Like I was talking to someone the other day who was like, "Oh no, no, no one's ever seen their faces." Like. I've seen their faces, you know. I, th- I thought, I'm going to talk to Ben and, and I know he knows lots about them. So he's going to know how they look like because he has an inside scoop and stuff. It's not it's not that you're special. It's like they, they've been without helmets before. Yeah, and yeah. we're just stupid. Well, they had, did hold tours with, with helmets, basically. They decided um, at first they were just like like normal people, just like not wearing any makeup or anything. You know, they, they look just like early pictures. They look like two surly French teenagers, the likes of which I encountered on many French exchanges. Um, And then they started wearing, like, you know, frog masks and things like that. Uh, Or frog makeup, I should say, and, like, paper bags and and things like that. But, yeah, they... they, Frog makeup? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm starting to become a huge fan now. What the... If you Google, Google, like, Daft Punk music with a Z, you might see that that you hopefully come across as a picture of them on a music magazine from 1997 where they're, like, basically... Um, sort of disguised as frogs because, like, I, I don't know if you know this, but like British people hilariously call French people frogs. Did you know that? No. So they beat into the the joke of friend uh, of British people, or I think so. Yeah, oh, I, I, I'm not quite sure. Like, it, it, again, it's funny. You sort of, you know, nowadays you'd be like, can you imagine like asking Daft Punk? No, would you mind sort of, you know, sticking on your, um, you know. This this frog costume, and then like you know, they pro- probably no, but like you know, back in nineteen seventy, it's like yeah, stick them on. Like <laughs> they frog. should come back with an album years later, but just in the frog costumes, and just the niche people that know about them from that era would be like so into it, and the people that know nothing about it would be like, okay, I guess they're frogs now. Go off. <laughs> I, I would be so into it. So that's an idea for you, Daft Punk, if you're listening. And you know what? You would be in the niche that knew about it. You'd be like, yeah, yeah the, the of fr- course I know them. You didn't know they were there before Pharrell Williams? Oh, my God. You're so... Yes. So this is one of my... Because I am writing a book on Daft Punk. And for the record, I was doing it before they split up. Um, just so so that's everyone knows. Flex. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, I'm trying to sort of basically give a bit of that some of that perspective you know like <laughs> of of um because i'm trying to like i i think i think 
Uh, I probably heard their music before you were born. Were you born in 1996? Am I right? Seven, 96. Oh, my God, yes, uh, yeah, two years before you were born. That's a, that's a disgrace. What did uh, what? I mean, I, I know young people aren't one homogenous group, but generally, what was like? What do your friends think about Daft Punk? Daft Punk, I, I, well, I don't know around asking everyone what they listen to, but I have memories of um, being in the car, going somewhere, somewhere with my friends, and having Daft Punk's um, on the not on the radio but on the Spotify thing that we connect to the car and and on parties or in the background or something it's it's playing even though some of the the songs that are Daft Punk you might not even know they're Daft Punk it's just the typical song that maybe is is playing on the background not on the background but on a party or something and it's Daft Punk because I went I went on their Spotify yesterday to see like do I do I really know them <laughs> maybe I maybe I do not and and all their big hits were like oh my god uh yes of course that's Daft Punk it it ma- totally makes sense it just didn't click for me until now well, we're going to be listening to and talking about S.G. Lewis uh, later on, who is, uh, I think uh, you could probably call him a young person who's heard uh, something of, of Daft Punk. But first, we're going to hear Johan's uh, first experience. He's talking about the first time he heard Daft Punk. I can't remember the first time I heard many of the bands and artists that I hold dear in my heart, but I have a distinct memory of hearing Daft Punk for the first time. I was at Gaia this club kid clothing store in my hometown of Torremolinos back in 1997. The owner, Angel, had spent some time in London and had picked up on this new club culture trend which was massive in the UK, so decided to invest and open his shop right in the centre, right next to the Las Pampas Argentinian restaurant. This was a time before streetwear shops became so popular and diverse, and Torremolinos is a holiday town, once internationally recognised for its gay nightlife. In fact, even during Franco's fascist and ultra-conservative dictatorship, Torremolinos is on record as having the first gay bar in Spain, Tony's, which opened in 1962. The shop was located round the corner from the famous Pasaje Begoña, now recognized, by the way, as a LGTBQ landmark, much like Stonewall, where for decades people have been able to love and party freely without too much hassle from authorities back in the day. So even though Tormalinos wasn't a mecca for cutting-edge clubs of the mid-90s like Ibiza, Berlin or Manchester, it was still a haven for hedonism which attracted enough young people from all over Europe who would definitely drop into Gaia to pick up some belly-button-revealing unisex t-shirts made out of purple velvet or that towel-y type of fabric like JLo sweatpants are made of. I was a 16-year-old skater kid into my East Coast hip-hop, my alternative MTV rock, Britpop, Midwestern indie, and a bit of punk rock. But I'd been to Madrid a few times, and the skaters there had introduced me to house music, since they used to get free entry and drinks at a club called House of Devotion, hosted by Danny Panulo in Alaska's Sala Morocco. So there I am in Gaia, looking at these interesting clothes and hearing this type of music I'd heard in Madrid. And on comes this muffled, groovy bass and bleeps. Mm. You feel it, yeah? I'm feeling it! So I'm chatting with Angel, you know, opening nicely folded t-shirts in awe of the Technicolor of 90s Euroclub aesthetics. 
There were some posters of the brands, those buffalo boots that have lately been very popular thanks to Rosalia. And let me insist, this was Torremolinos. Souvenir shops and liquor stores for all them Scandinavian tourists. If you wanted to buy a normal pair of khaki pants or a toaster, you had to take the train into Malaga Center half an hour away. So I stopped in my tracks and asked Angel, the visionary shop owner who put his savings into a club kid wear shop in the low-budget holiday town of Torremolinos that had once been a popular destination for glamorous hippies but now reeked of peach snaps and cerveza San Miguel. ¿Esto qué es? What is this? And he replied, These French guys called that punk. Everybody in London is talking about them. Ah, those times when you could go into a physical space in the world like a shop where tuned-in people would congregate and talk about an album for months. Now it's all online forums and filtered avatars, but back then it was a different game. Anyway, that was the first time I heard music by Daft Punk. Shortly after, Spike Jones's video for Da Funk was all over MTV and I knew who they were talking about because of that afternoon window shopping at Gaia. Ah, oh, lovely memories from from <laughs> Johan. Do you remember the first time you heard Daft Punk? Um, yeah, probably on on the radio, like when Feeling Lucky was everywhere, sounding like in every radio station. Summer two thousand thirteen, beautiful. And w did you watch Daft Punk's farewell video? No, did did they make farewell video? I thought they just tweeted like bye. No, no, they don't have a Twitter account. No, but the the image of them like these two hands isn't them. No, that? that well, what they did was basically on their on their um, YouTube account, which has lain dormant for the last five five years. They uploaded a video called Epilogue, mm. and basically they they made this this film back in two thousand six. wasn't very good. Don't watch it. But anyway, they they did they did make one. Um, and there's a scene in that in which one of the robots. Uh, gets the other robot to blow him himself him up, basically, and the other robot wanders off. It's kind of the end of the film. So they posted that, and then um, the, the that sort of hands triangle but logo. But that means one of the robots dies, and the other one is like, okay, I cannot do this anymore by myself. Well, <laughs> this is a conspiracy. What's the plot of the? What's the plot of the film? <laughs> there is very the little plot, plot of, of the film. I've seen it. It's I love Daft Punk, but that film is. N not for oh, okay. me. It, it's more ambience than plot. If you're asking for plot, you have come I'm to... I'm trying to get what they were trying to say by saying goodbye in this sad way of like, yeah, probably one of us has died. Who knows? We're robots. Well, see, the, there's been lots of... There's, <laughs> <laughs> I love French. Um, there's been lots of... Control well, not lots of controversy, but there's been lots of talk. There are some people like, no, there's no way they're, they're, that they're, they've split up. They're coming back definitely. Five years, you know, festivals, yeah. etc. And there's been other people like, yeah, but like if you saw one of them, one of them walked off. So one of them's going to continue, but like the other one's not. Mm. Which, I, I, I'm into that conspiracy. It was a really beautiful video. And then they put on one of their songs and there's like the sun sunset. It was oh. really quite beautifully done. <laughs> anyway, that song um, that they, they put on was Touch, which was with Paul Williams, who once worked with the Muppets. Um, and uh, that's from Random Excess Memories, the, the, the album with Get Lucky and other such things. Um, and we're going to listen to uh, Johan talking a little bit about Random Access Memories. What's fascinating about Daft Punk's legacy is how cultivated their image was. The perfect fabrication of a pop phenomenon. Musically always nodding to disco's past, including everything that worked wonders in the 70s like soft rock and retro space age. I hold a candle 
to random access memories, because even though the robots were global superstars and the most in-demand festival headline act, before this album they still operated in a very cozy stream between, I wouldn't say underground, but you know, between the mainstream and whatever lies beneath. In hindsight, every step in their career seems to have followed a path full of boxes to tick. They dreamt big and made scrupulous decisions, like true cool Parisian boys, they rarely made any artistic faux pas, and all that was left was becoming a proper multinational label act, like a lot of the behemoths that they idolized. Signing to Columbia Records wasn't just happen chance. Columbia Records, let's remind, let's remember, is one of the oldest all-time great major record labels. If I were fantasizing about being on a major label, it would have to be Columbia where all the moguls who redefined rock and roll excess in the 70s got their chops. Clive Davis, Walter Yetnikoff, David Geffen. It is the Roman Empire of record labels. And who loves grand decadence more than the French? Well, maybe Italians, but anyway. (laughs) By signing with them, they delivered the type of record that made fortunes in the golden age of the 70s, working old school, employing orchestras, Paul Williams, Marauder, and Nile Rodgers among the more contemporary artists, like Julian Casablancas, Panda Bear, and obviously Pharrell Williams. The record, by 2013 standards, was a huge success. I don't think it's a perfect record, in fact, I could skip through half, but its bombast was welcome in a market oversaturated with cheap productions. The welcome omnipresence of Get Lucky that entire year, the whole summer vibe cruising through Palm Springs on the way to someone's fancy garden party was one of the last glimpses we could get of old school pop dominance that brought people together. It didn't take long before it became, get, you know, Get Lucky became a wedding reception staple like the Bee Gees Night Fever or Abba's Dancing Queen, but you could still get away with dropping it at a club in Poblesec. A pompous record that made you feel a bit rich by listening to it. And the symphonic parts, like the ones on Touch, stand out in the grand scheme of things. A great act needs some sort of power ballad or a torch song to be remembered by. And the choir singing Love is the Answer while one of the robots walks away into the sunset after watching the other self-destruct is a bittersweet Hollywood ending, like the kind I suspect they were very fond of, like... Antonioni's Zabriskie Point's explosive ending. After Random Axis memories and their memorable presence at the Grammys in consecutive years, it felt like they had truly transcended the glass ceilings in the world of recording and performing arts. It's a shame their last output has been a trickle of collaborations that don't match any of their own output, but still, their legacy is untouchable. Daft Punk, one of the world's most iconic and important electronic cult acts impossible to follow. Thank you, Johan. Thank you, Johan's dog, or one of them, who, uh, I don't know, you heard in in the background. Uh, And we're hearing in the background Touch, which is that song uh, from the the video. Very beautiful work. Um, So from someone who had very little presence uh, on the internet and kind of a lot of mystery, we're going on to two people who have very much presence on the internet. And what is, what's the beef this week? This week, if you have Twitter, you know what what went down because everyone was talking about the baby, a freestyle the baby dropped, and you might be thinking, how is that even possible? Who cares that much about 
uh, the baby freestyle. I guess he has fans, but not as much to have the whole platform talking about him. Except because that halfway through this freestyle that he put out, he holds up a picture of Jojo Siwa on his phone and raps, You a bitch, Jojo Siwa, bitch. And, and that's why the internet went wild. And as they should, for many reasons, but... To put things into context, the baby is a full-grown 29-year-old man who last month was arrested for carrying a loaded firearm. And Jojo Siwa, if you have been living under a rock, is a 17-year-old Nickelodeon star who records songs for children and sells these big sequined bows at Target. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. I thought he, he denied it. It wasn't about her. Like, but he held up a picture. He held... in the. There's like a... a a video of the freestyle and he has a picture of, of Jojo Siwa it's like not you cannot confuse Jojo Siwa she's so out there and her big bows and stuff and she held the picture while singing you a bitch Jojo Siwa bitch it's so strange it's like where am I living why is the baby saying bitch to Jojo Siwa well apparently according to him it's a misunderstanding because we're all so dumb that this world play, word play that he was trying to make, we didn't get it because we're stupid. It <laughs> turns out <laughs> the baby, the baby's real name, who we're supposed to know, is Jonathan, and he uses Siwa, the, the last name, as a twist to say Siwai. And him rapping, saying Jojo Siwa was supposed to be a shorthand that we were supposed to get for Jonathan Siwai. See why what? <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't make sense. It's like, oh, don't you get it, guys? You're so stupid. It was a wordplay that that just flew through your head, and it was like, what is even supposed to mean, Jonathan? See why? Like, okay, so I'm gonna read it. You a bitch, Jonathan? See why, bitch? It doesn't make <laughs> it doesn't make sense either. So I'm like, okay, I'll take this weird apology or this uh, because you know she's way too powerful that she will destroy you if you don't say anything so I guess that's the best thing you came up with and he said oh um Jojo Siwa don't listen to all these people talking blah blah, blah because my th- three-year-old daughter loves you and has everything you put out and stuff and it's like mm, I, uh, your daughter's gonna beat you up I hope because that's I don't want you saying her name again even I- though you said it's a wordplay but just, I mean, let, let's just assume that his, uh, for a second, that, that his uh, explanation uh, wasn't <laughs> true. Sense. I mean, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it is very true, but let's just assume it isn't. What's he got against Jojo Siwa? That's the thing. What did, could she ever do? Jojo Siwa, the 17-year-old girl that sings for kids, could ever do to the baby this rapper from whatever he is that he is like the stereotypical image of a rapper you have in your head. But the important thing here, and the thing that should have been news everywhere, and that should have been the headline that everyone is talking about, and if it hasn't been, it's the moment to make it, is that the internet was ready, ready with everything out to fight anyone who tried to harm Jojo Siwa. And that is so important. Like, I I cannot express how important and... what a plot twist that is! Hang on, hang on, why, why? Because they're they're defending someone, as opposed to laying in someone. Why, why is it? Why is it so so important that they're defending, especially Jojo Siwa? I'm gonna tell you, right? Because okay, good. Jojo Siwa is a living legend, and a lo- well, a lot of people know, but I have to put emphasis because maybe some don't. 
Okay, so as I said, Jojo Siwa is a 17-year-old girl who first became famous because she was um, casted in the reality TV show Dance Moms. Mm, it's, it's a show on, on the stage and I think we have it here in Spain too. I don't know. Um, well, fast forward to now because she was a kid. Well, she's still a kid, but she was even younger when she was on Dance Mom. Fast forward to now, she has nine singles, including platinum hit Boomerang, a YouTube channel that has... 12 million subscribers, a TikTok that has 31.6 million followers, and a net worth of 14 million dollars. <laughs> and to put that into perspective, that's uh, uh, Jojo makes every year as much of the baby's entire net worth, Take which that. is four a year, four <laughs> million. Four, four. <laughs> yeah, and she's taller than him. So <laughs> <laughs> what were you trying to do, the baby? <laughs> like, she has everything you want. Okay, so, uh, we she is super, super, super popular among kids. That explains all these numbers that I just said. One of her biggest fans is the Northwest herself. Mm, that's all you need to know. And actually, it, it's she has one of the best audiences, which is kids, which means non-stop views, um, non-stop selling stuff, merch and everything. Her merch collection is actually the most insane merch collection there is. Like she in she has a, a full on room in her mansion in Beverly Hills or whatever she lives in LA. Um that it's only for her merch. And oh my god. And she has clothing, dolls, the bows obviously, which is the her signature look, party plates, nail polish, ice cream. <laughs> Literally, you name an object. Every, every object, a microphone that I'm speaking to, headphones, I don't know, a cup of glass. And you will find it with a Jojo Siwa face plastered on it. A ladle. Huh? A soup ladle. Yeah, you will find it. All right, it. okay, good. Everything. Everything you need in life, you can have it in Jojo merch form. So uh, th that can make you an idea of how powerful she is, um, how large her income is. But... As much love as she received from the kids and, and as much merch and money she has, she received as much merciless hate from adults online for years. She has been the, the joke of the internet for years. I, I feel like since, since she started her YouTube channel, who maybe was five years ago or so, and people bullied her relentlessly. Like, she is known because she screams and... and and is so loud and and speaks so fast. So she had this very upbeat persona, and people bullied her for that. And and it is so annoying. Like if you put a second of her videos, you get a headache that will last for years. But it's it's not for us. Like okay, thirty year old person or twenty year old person hating on Jojo Siwa. Of course, it's annoying to you because it's not for you. You're not the target. It's for kids. Why were we so mad that she was loud? Like okay, of course she is. She's supposed to be this a bit super fast. Blah blah blah. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Um, it, that's what kids want. That's what kids get known to. Like uh, of course she's gonna be like that. She wouldn't have an audience otherwise. And people didn't stop there. People didn't bully her because she is loud and annoying. She, they also bullied her because of her appearance, which is let's remember a, a kid. She's, she was she's still a teenager, and people said like, "Oh yeah, she was bald because she has this tight ponytail, and her hairline is gonna recede so much, she's gonna go bald." <laughs> and these images of bald Jojo Siwa were like a thing on the internet for a while. Can you imagine being like sixteen and the joke of the internet for a month, it's a picture of you bald. I 
would didn't even like you know my parents vaguely vaguely mocking my hairstyle when I was right? sixteen. I, I, I would just straight up pass away if someone. <laughs> put a picture of me bald and it had one like I would just okay I'm off (laughs) (laughs) but she had everyone on the internet retweeting and making fun of her being bald and stuff and and also calling her this oh she's crazy she's she's this giant toddler and and she is 16 and has this super childish uh, style and 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 Every every day, every day, constantly making. If you had nothing to say, you just could go on the internet and say, "Just see why it's a giant toddler," and just <laughs> log off the internet. And that was your day. And that's what we did. And, and it's crazy to me because she's only sixteen. But the powerful thing, the thing that it's like, oh my god, this 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 woman is like the the ice cold, not ice cold, but in like a robot that has like a barrier between her and the haters, like what we should aspire to be because she did not care. Like you could do anything. You could repost every day the picture of her bald. You could say she's a giant baby. She did not care. Not even when the <laughs> Justin Bieber, which uh, it's crazy, um, made fun of her. She bought herself when she was 16 a, a car, a custom car that was pink and had her face all over it. And it and and she posted like, oh, I got a new car. And and Justin Bieber tweeted like, burn it. And she didn't care. She was like, okay, Justin Bieber, I'm going to make fun of you instead. Like, I'm, it's not that I don't care. It's that I'm so powerful. I can twist the joke and make it about you and you will look bad. And, and she did like, like, but... It, at which point did we think we could harm Jojo Siwa? I mean, this girl drives around in a car, and I'm not joking, that's wrapped entirely in her own face. You can search on the internet Jojo Siwa car, and, and it's she has a Tesla, I think, that's full of her face, just her face, and she drives in, in, that, in that car, and you can see her in LA inside a car that's full of Jojo Siwa. <laughs> it's insane. It's, it's, it's so obvious that she does not care what we think. She never did, and she never never will. She's living her best life, doing her her things. She's f- the biggest flexor on the internet. Like her birthday party this year or last year was Jojo Siwa themed, which uh, all the products on the party were were products with her face, and it's not like custom made like. Kylie Jenner with her daughter Stormy that had all these faces of her everywhere. No, no, no. She went to Target, Walmart, um, any supermarket, and she bought it there. Like, I can have a party that's me-themed because I'm that famous. Who can say that? Not the baby. Not Stormy Stormy Webster. Not anyone. Like, that's the biggest flexor there is. There's no rubber. There's no anyone that can outdo Jojo Siwa. And the cherry on top that explains why we all made we were all made to bow down to her finally because after all these years it's like we didn't realize sooner that she is iconic um is that she came out as uh well she doesn't have like an exact label but she shared that she is part of the lgbt community and that was such a like if we didn't know until now that she is an icon a living legend that was such a strong and bold move to make because she's obviously on the peak of her career um She's so famous and and to have this take this risk that so many parents like straight parents or even the companies that work for her and stuff that could just drop her and just take the risk just to say to kids, hey, look, um, you, you're not that weird or it's OK if you don't follow the rules of what you're expected. Like you, you just should just be happy and, and that's it. And and she did that, taking all the risks and 
she got a positive outcome, which is that we finally open our eyes to the Jojo Suiwa supremacy. Like, finally, we're all acknowledging that not only is she iconic for coming out and taking all these risks, it's that all this time she has been an icon and we were just like so jealous or something that we could just not process how iconic she is for doing whatever she wants all the time. And now we're finally at her feet. And if someone just like the baby or anyone tries to come just that near her, we will crucify them. And I'm here for it. And I'm I'm Jojo Siwa Army or whatever it would be. But this woman, I, I love her. I think she's the Elton John of our time. I'm entirely on board. Where does she get that? Do you know where she gets this confidence from? Like to be I like this at, at 17? It's, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary to see because I, I don't think it's like an act she put on like, oh, I don't care, guys. And then she went to cry in her pink bedroom. No, no, I, I fully believe she does not give a single... Shit. Hoot. <laughs> do, do, right. Do you think it's got something to do with... Do you think possibly we might be having a generation grow up that is so used to the sort of rudeness of the internet that it no longer occurs? Maybe. That that would be, like, groundbreaking if, like, if you're... Um, Seven, I don't know what age would you be to be the target for Jojo Siwa. But if you're like seven and you see this girl that does whatever she wants all the time and, and doesn't really care, maybe there's a generation that will come out like un- untouchable. Like you can say nothing. You can say they're bald and they won't care. I, th- I love them. I think I've mentioned this before, but I read somewhere that um, apparently uh, people of my age who uh, were born pre-widespread internet um, don't like we don't quite know how to incorporate the internet into our lives if you see what I mean so like we couldn't quite handle this like massive avalanche of information which is why like people of my age swallow so you know believe such utter load of crap sometimes and get really annoyed if someone's like your <laughs> your hair's rubbish you know because it's like we're not used to it whereas like younger people are like oh god it's only the internet don't worry about it no, I think there's, like, I'm the generation between your generation and the people that don't care because they have been so long in the internet. It's like, I'm on the internet, I need validation. Don't tell me I'm, I'm bald, please tell me I'm pretty, tell me I'm pretty, tell me I do everything right. Because if you tell me for a second that I do something wrong, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just end it all. And, and then there's the next generation, that the Jojo Siwanators, which I want to be part of it, that's like... Okay, I don't care. I'm I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna have a room full of my merch. What are you gonna do about it? I'm gonna drive on my Tesla faced car. She's superhuman. She's the next stage in evolution, I reckon. Ah, she's the super hum- What's the Nietzsche? The you know the the philosopher, the super uh, super Nietzsche. Yeah. My God, is she the Nietzsche, the Nietzschean <laughs> idea of the, the Superman. <laughs> Bloody hell! It took a while. <laughs> it's Jojo. Jojo Siwa is the the closest thing we will have to the to the super Fair enough. Well, I'm 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 entirely on board. And if uh, Jojo is listening, um, yeah, great. She, uh, she will probably agree. Good. Uh, shall we listen to just a little bit of that Da Baby uh, freestyle before That's we move sweet. on? All right, David, let's hear it. 
Best motherfucking rapper, nigga. This baby, nigga. Let's go. Ready to get it started, nigga. Go. Whenever you want it, I was the man with the plans. Shorty pull up to the Grammy Awards. Yeah. My 40, she told me she like it. I'm dressed and I ain't eating no salad. Uh -huh. Stevie Wonder can see that I'm having. I told her be patient, she waited. I gave her the dick, she walked out doing the beatbox challenge. Like, yeah, get in there, baby. Get in you know me, hit you anywhere, baby. Let's go. Know she gon' do whatever I say. I can piss in the cup, call it lemonade, baby. Let that bitch off, I'm a renegade, baby. I'ma get out of there, I ain't feeling that. Huh? Nigga, run up on me with a cell phone, now they gon' fuck around down the internet. Fuck it, kill him on IG Live. Let the whole world see the nigga die. Yeah, shout out to Spot him, we got him. Even though he a rapper, he shot him. I get this big pretty ass smile from my mama. Get this motherfucking voice from my daddy. I learned how to pimp on them hoes with my uncle. Let her suck on my toes cause I'm nasty. Like fuck it, she asked me to do it. Play with me, I'ma actually shoot you. Most of these niggas be capping, we knew it. These niggas drop shit This is S.G. Lewis with Feed the Fire, taken from his debut album, Times. Marge, do you know why it's called Times, the debut no. album? Because he was going to call it Good Times, and someone at his record company went, these aren't good times, what are you talking about? Just call it Times. You Thank can... God, there's good people on their team. Exactly. Um, so we, we decided we were going to talk about this album before news of Daft Punk spitting up um, arrived, but it couldn't have been um, more fitting, really. Uh, to come at this time, what did you what did you make of it more? I I want you to say it first, whatever you think, because I'm I'm not quite sure if my opinion is is correct. Or every, not. every opinion is correct. <laughs> not mine, not mine. <laughs> All right, well, I, I okay. So I was thinking, okay, well, he's obviously heard a bit of a bit of Daft Punk. Uh, do you want me to expound on my theory on why he he's like Daft yeah. Punk? Right, this song, Feed the Fire, sounds very similar indeed to Daft Punk's Voyager. Um, on one more, he works with Nile Rodgers, who also worked with Daft Punk, notably on uh, Get Lucky. Um, on uh, Rosner's interlude, he gets um, somebody uh, who's connected with the history of electronic music to uh, relate a bit of their life over an electronic beat, like Daft Punk did on uh, Georgia by Moroder. Um, and on Chemicals, he worked with Chaz Hugo, who was obviously in uh, NERD, with Pharrell Williams, who also worked with, with Daft Punk. Also, he sounds a lot like Daft Punk. And, right, okay, now we've established I really like Daft Punk. But I think there's this kind of thing where, like, you, if you really like something, anything that's just a bit too close to it, you, you can't quite handle. You know, it's like if you, if you really, really like, like, Granny Smith apples, right, which I do, kind of apples that are just a bit like them I don't quite like because it's like no 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 I know how it could be and that is the same as how I am with this album I think if I liked Daft Punk a little bit less I would like this album more perversely because it's just like it brings out everything in me just like no this is just too much like Daft Punk I I you like that you didn't quite like it because I hated it oh tell us <laughs> tell us brilliant I hated it so much I oh, come on let's lay finish. into it I, wow I just went on a run to saying how the haters are the worst and I'm just here being a hater again but I couldn't finish it it brought me to like this weird space on my mind that I felt like it was 2013 and all the music was this kind of sound that it's undistinguishable and and it just went on and on and on and it's like it has it changed the music have i been listening this for two hours or two seconds i'm not quite sure i i don't know if it, i had a bad day or i not for me not for me do you get the feeling that it was 
it feels like 2013, but not the, the album like you said, Daft Punk 2013's album. It feels like the bad part of 2013. What was the bad part of 2013? I don't know. <laughs> it's like an idea. Yeah. It's like, uh, what do you think of 2013? And I, I feel like I was an awkward teenager and I didn't know what what life was. And, and it's like, oh, and this music is playing in the background. And I'm like, oh, no, get me out of this nightmare. Is it a bit like music you would sort of hear at a, at a, a club or a disco and you'd sort of try to dance to, but you're feeling a bit too awkward to do it? Is that? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you get to a pub that's quite empty there's not it's early still and you're not drunk enough and you're not completely sure you want to go out that night and this is playing and you're like okay i'm gonna go home oh god that's the, that's actually the worst i thought i disliked it i feel so bad maybe i, I don't have such a strong opinion but I, I did make me feel like that no i just thought it was very sort of anodyne you know, like very kind of derivative and 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 uh, competent is another word I got down. You don't really want competent to be one of one of the words you think about music. But what really surprised me was, did you like Dua Lipa's uh, most recent album, Future Nostalgia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Me too. And he 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 helped to produce Hallucinate, which is one of my favorite tunes. One of it. the best ones. So what happened? I feel so bad. Maybe I should re-listen to it. <laughs> no, I tried. No, I tried. I listened. I listened to it a couple of times. I was like, I'm not really feeling this. And then finally, if I went off to listen to another podcast, they're like, Yeah, it's great. And I was like, Oh my god, right. I better go back to this. And so last night, I actually sat down with my with my notebook and pen. And I was like, I'm going to listen to this. And I just got progressively more right. Like the literally anodyne is the first thing uh, it says in my notes. And I went off to bed, not in a bad mood exactly, <laughs> but I, I I didn't like it. So like, the the thing is, okay, right. If you're it's not like a massively original musical mix. I think we can agree right. on that. That's that's the thing. But it doesn't have to be completely out of the the books that the things that you put out. It can be completely inspired by Daft Punk or whatever. But uh, it felt like I've listened to it before, not in a good way. And I think the thing is, like Dua Lipa gets away with it. Her album wasn't massively original, but it get, got away with it because it had massive tunes, like absolutely yeah. massive and pretty tunes, like Lady Gaga's album as well. And this is like like that, but without the massive tunes. What what went wrong, Lewis? Is he called Lewis? Yes, he's. S.G. Lewis. I, do you know what? I don't think we need to spend any more time on this album. Like, Davi- <laughs> I'm so sorry, Lewis. <laughs> I don't like being a hater. I'm just, just a C1-Ator now. I cannot listen to anything else. Let, let's just say um, uh, I'm very glad he's made this album. Lots of exactly. people like it. Um, but And good thing that he then put Good Times on the title. That's yeah, exactly. all we can take out of it. Well, the other thing is Good Times is a famous song by Sheik. So it's like, come on, mate. Come on. Anyway. Yeah. The, the, the album of... The title of the album is such an important part just to be like, oh, okay, I cannot put the word good. Okay, times it is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he could have rethought it, couldn't it? It's yeah, like, right. well, all right, just yeah, but just... It. Because times doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> it literally doesn't mean a thing. It's like times. It actually is quite genius to be have a word just times. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Go with it, do whatever you it, want with it. It reminds me a bit of like, you know, when, when you're a kid and you get you get back and, you're, and your, your parents are like... Did you how did you enjoy school today? You'd like, uh, or like yeah. <laughs> what did you do? Stuff. It's a bit like that, isn't it? You just sort of yeah. literal no communication whatsoever. It, it does feel a little bit like that. Oh my god, we just keep destroying his album. We were we were saying it was a good title and now we ended up saying it's a bad title. I, I think it's time to move on. Let's have just a little listen uh to Impact. Oh I'm gone.
SG Lewis with Impact. I know why I wanted to play that, because it's got Robin on and Channel Throws, and they made me a bit happier. But like, even with them, it's still not a great song, is it? Mm, yes, oh, you're trying to be nice about him now. <laughs> You've changed in the, in the 20 seconds. Well, let's talk about something we can be enthusiastic about, because we both are very enthusiastic, and that is um, Behind Her Eyes. Now, you said to me, this is the series, everyone is talking about it. Mm. Why? Because it's uh, a Netflix show that came out came out last week or something, and it's the the Netflix show that comes out every I don't know six months or something it feels like, and it's that show that you put on because it comes out to your homepage on when you turn Netflix on, and it's like oh, I'm trending now, blah blah blah, and you're like okay whatever, and then you spend five hours watching it on a like full on nonstop after, and then you finish and you're like okay. And, and that's why people are talking about it. What What are they saying? Um, I'm not sure because the, <laughs> the only thing I care about was one tweet that said, um, I'm watching Behind Her Eyes, blah, blah, blah. Bono's daughter is so good. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Someone else... Someone famous daughter is playing in that show. That's that's my that's my reason to live. Celebrity kids are doing things. I want to know what they're doing. I want to watch that show. I don't know if they're happy with the show or not, but um, Bonus daughter is on it. So th- this got is... me into it and got me, made me you in, like made me tell you to be into it as well. Well, yeah, this is the thing. It really got me because like. Um, you were like, oh yeah, bon- Bonner's daughter is in it, and I thought, all oh, right, and that it kind of coloured the whole way in which I watched it, because I think we were going to talk about like nepotism, maybe. So I was like, okay, well, you got to be fair. Is she actually good in this? And so basically, rather than just sort of watching it and enjoying, it, I mean, I did enjoy it. I spent so long, I was like, is she good? And I was like, I was, I was laser focused on on Eve Hewson. I was like, is she good? It was really off putting. I just spent ages like, is she good or is she just in it because she's Bonner's daughter? And at first, I was like. I'm not convinced by her acting, but I came around a bit. Well, what did you think? I think, first of all, the show uh, really is um, like not a thriller, but the type of show that really makes you watch it nonstop. So that's a good thing. And, and then you're watching Bonner's Daughter nonstop. <laughs> and I feel like she is good, but I also may be 100% biased on that because I, for some reason, <laughs> give a free pass to all the celebrity kids and everything a, a celebrity... Um, nepotism child does so I'm like oh my god yeah she's so good uh, she she has the this mysterious behind mysterious like aura and thing that she encapsulates perfectly blah 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 but maybe, maybe she's bad and it's just unexpressive <laughs> but why do you give them a pass like most people are harsher on celebrity right. kids I'm not saying they should be but they are I the, the thing is like when I, I read um, that Bono's daughter um, is on this, I, my brain just came up with a list of the, all the celebrity kids I'm obsessed with. Like um, Kamala Harris's stepdaughter um, has recently signed to IMG Models because she went on, obviously, to the celebration thing that made her vice president. And people were so obsessed with her Mew Mew coat that suddenly she has thousands of followers on her Instagram and model agencies are, are, are behind her asking her to sign. And now she already, like in two weeks, has a, a is the image of... It's, it's, she's the face for a campaign in Provence's 
colder or whatever the name of the high fashion brand is. And it's like the second I saw a picture of Kamala Harris's stepdaughter on Twitter, I went to Instagram and followed her. And the second I I knew something about, I don't know, Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose Depp, or um, Cindy Crawford's daughter, um, Jude Law's daughter, Kate Moore's daughter, <laughs> uh, the Kardashian clan, the Hadids, um, Madonna's daughter, I want her to make an Instagram so badly. So I'm here. At first, thinking, oh, it's so unfair that there's these nepotism kids and, and there's so many people that deserve a chance just as much to be a model, I don't know, a, an actress like Bono's daughter or Uma Thurman's daughter was on, on Stranger Things as well. And all of these kids that have rich, not rich parents, but parents in the industry. And, and it's like, oh, there's other people that deserve this chance as well. But then I'm the first one that goes straight up to Instagram and follows them. And it's like expecting to see what they put out. And I'm the first to see all the images in the Chanel campaign they make or or the Netflix show they put out. So I'm, I'm the reason nepotism is a thing. I'm obsessed with it. Every day I wake up thinking I have a reason to live and it's to see how the Kardashian kids turn up. I, 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 I It's literally the... The reason I wake up every day and it's like, it's a good day, a day closer to see how Stormy is when she turns 18. Uh, are you a fan of David Bowie's daughter and her musical, uh, recent musical excursions, Lexi Bowie? Alex- I don't know, but I, uh, she had a musical thing, but I saw her Instagram, of course I did, and I was like, oh my God, this woman is incredible, she's beautiful, she's talented, she's David daughter, uh, David daughters, David Bowie's daughter, so of course she's talented, like... It, it doesn't cross my mind or my mind doesn't allow me to see if they're talented or not because their parents are important <laughs> to me. So who cares? I, I, I want to see them everywhere. I, I don't care if Kendall Jenner butchers the editorial on Vogue and she looks like a robot being super awkward. I want to see her every day on every cover. I don't care if she's actually bad at modeling. Just please give me the nepotism kit I need to live. I need to watch a Netflix show with a nepotism kit. Otherwise, I wouldn't have watched Behind Her Eyes. There's the thing that threw me into that watching the show was that there was a, a nepotism kit so the reason this is still happening the reason the world is a horrible place the reason <laughs> the world eh, will never have peace is because i exist and i support nepotism but even the, though i try to hide it now it's out but the thing is right i don't mind um i don't particularly mind what anyone does but like you know nepotism and and famous people's children i don't sort of mind until they get on something that i do or, in fact, even just, like, generally famous people that who get onto what I do. Maybe just stretching it. But anyway, you know, I was really, really annoyed when Prince Harry and Meghan got into podcasting. Because, like, oh, come on. That's not fair. You're just going to get loads of people for who you are. And, like, when Bruce Springsteen did with Bar- Barack Obama, it's like, oh, come on. Like, Spotify sent me two emails about that. You know? It's like, that's not a level playing field. I don't know if they're going to be good. I don't want to hear but if you're given, do you want the shiny, shiny <coughs> plate with... Um, Obama and Bruce Springsteen, or do you want these people you don't know about and you're going to risk it all to discover? What are you going to do? Well, that's you're going to see, I want to go with the, the one that nobody knows about and the underground one. But you know, the shiny <laughs> plate is always the best plate. <laughs> but all right, all right, all right. But, okay, so we, we watch Behind Her Eyes. You watch Behind Her Eyes because Bono's daughter was in it. I watched Behind Her Eyes because uh, you you mentioned it to me. <laughs> I and I, you. I, you didn't force me. I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Right? But but 
it put like it put me off. And surely were you not just there looking at her character Adele, thinking, "Oh yeah, you do look like Bono, don't you?" Yeah. Oh, I thought she's so pretty. Like you can have an ugly husband and have mm, beautiful kids. So that's that's a good thing to know. I was trying to work out why she didn't talk in, with an Irish accent. Is is he Irish? Bono? Yeah, he's one of the, probably the world's most famous Irishmen. <laughs> oh and God, I think so his bad. wife's Irish as well. But uh, Yeah, but I, I bet she lives in Hollywood or whatever. She does. Um, uh, were you not reading up on her? No, I just watch. I just I just watch her, her pictures. Like I go to Google Images, my brain doesn't <laughs> compute the words. It's just I need to say the images. And and yeah, I think I think, I think she's great and and now talking more more about the show, I think the the kind of cliffhanger that it has that you have it it's this couple. Well, I don't want to put spoilers. I don't know how to explain it without. I think you can say it's a love triangle. Can yeah. you say that it's a love triangle? Yeah. Um, and, and they all have British accents. That to me was such a a good mm, thing to have. <laughs> I don't know why it was like oh okay I want to watch it more now. Wow. I mean, like, what really attracted me, other than you telling me to watch it, was um, that it's apparently got a massive uh, twist in the tail. And I love things with a big twist in the tail. People have been saying, like, it's ridiculous. I, I was looking it up and half of the people were like, this is ridiculous. It ruins the whole, the whole show. And other people were like, it's genius. And like, somebody made the very good comment, like, we're living in ridiculous times, so you should have a ridiculous twist, which I quite liked. I'm so excited to see what comes up because... The thing, another thing that should um, get you into it, it's only five um, episodes, oh, yeah. and and it's not going to have a, like a second season or anything. It's it's a mini series, so you'll you'll be hooked for max five uh, episodes at a time. Um, so that's a good thing, and you'll have this cliffhanger that either will this resolution at the end that it w- either will make you really mad or or will leave you like thinking oh my god I didn't expect that which both things are exciting because getting really mad at a show <laughs> is also like exciting it burns you inside and you want to be like oh my god I would have done so much better blah 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 also you need to watch it now because uh, if it's really that big of a twist people are going to be telling you about it like true, now true. no one I managed to avoid spoilers quite easily but you know when something gets big like I don't know, Game of Thrones like yeah. can't avoid spoilers people just True. doing it all over the place I've seen like articles and stuff but there's there hasn't been that much of a talk about the exact ending because just like you said people haven't got to it yet or not as much people to make it like a big thing on I don't know Twitter or whatever so yes watch it now I mean I'm quite impressed I did two episodes last night and and you did three, three. it's very very <laughs> addictive it's so addictive and I didn't want to start it I was like oh my god I got bent to watch it now I feel like the pressure because I, I was the one that came up with the idea and and then I watched three in a row I was like I want to go to sleep but at the same time one more one more are you going to see the next two today I feel like I will. Okay, I'll probably. I reckon I'll probably get around to the next three in a couple Don't of days. Don't fool yourself. No. You're gonna watch them <laughs> all in a, in a sitting, like in a couple of days. Okay, no spoilers before, but I know that that when uh, I do watch it, you'll be the first person I'm I'm on the. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we agree because I I already said I'm I'm supporting of anything Bono's daughter does so maybe I will be like yes it totally makes sense I such a good ending and maybe you that you're not a bad person and don't care about nepotism maybe you will see if it's it has flossed or not 
Well, it won me over by the fact that one of the main characters, David, uh, goes into a bar and uh, orders whiskey with water, which is what I do. Because he's Scottish. And so am I. I know you can't hear it, but I am. I, that's what I was going to say. Uh, am I that bad at accent? That Did you have a strong, strong accent when you were in Scotland? No. Or you never did? No, because I lived in, in quite a sort of uh, world wow. to part where lots of people spoke with English accents. I wish I had, but... It's so funny, the Scottish accent. Why not? <laughs> oh, and also, I've got to say, um, Simona Brown, uh, who is the lead, uh, Louise, she's fabulous. She's so good. Oh, my God. That that should show me that nepotism is not a good <laughs> thing to support, but she's not a nepotism star, and she really, really is good, super good, or I like her a lot, how she plays that character and stuff. And also Tyler Howitt, who plays her son Adam. He's great. He's so cute. <laughs> he I, I love how. Oh, I don't, and he says Adam in such like a, I don't know. He's like I don't know how to mimic a British accent, but she says Adam in a British accent, and I really like it. And oh, they live well. She's a divorced, and so they live together. I don't know. She's a cute pair of characters. Adam. And there's <laughs> yes, like Adam. That. Oh, and and there's obviously you're gonna hate the well, maybe you, you won't, but. The main char- the other main character that's the the Scottish person <laughs> that the David is called because he's you will see he's not in, is he not good. hang on is that is this a big episode two to episode three change no uh, but I, you I, see from the beginning he's kind of not but it has dark sides that you will don't know about it so you don't feel like you can trust him like you identify with with Louise and you're like oh I'm not gonna trust this guy he's not. Louise Clear. is definitely the good person. Exactly, definitely, Louise, definitely. You, yeah, yeah. you trust her. And the guy, mm, let me see, you're not clear water. We're going to have to go. Um, but next time, uh, which TikTok, TikTok, which I'm very excited about, we'll talk about yeah, next time. We don't have time, but I'm going to let you in just so you can turn in the next episode about which TikTok. I'm going to say I'm, I'm getting into witchcraft. <laughs> And it's not a joke. <laughs> the bad part is not a joke. I'm I'm a baby witch. You're a baby witch. Yeah. Not the baby witch. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> that would be bad. All right. It's been a pleasure. Well, we will be talking about that next time. Uh, this has been the weekly review. Check us out next week, and we're going to play play out with right because it's about nepotism, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are family by Sister Sledge. Oh, we go. <laughs> Yes.